Every follower of Jesus has a song in his heart. Every follower of Jesus has a song in her heart. When I talk about having a song in your heart, I'm actually talking about joy. Joy that can only come from the Lord, but that song is fragile. If you neglect that song, you can lose it. If you neglect your joy as a Christian, you can lose it. The most powerful testimony you have as a believer is your joy. People look at your countenance before they hear your words. Joy. Where is your joy this morning? Where is your joy level? Do you have a song in your heart? Whether you are an individual Christian, maybe you're over a ministry or you're a part of a ministry team. Or maybe you're a part of this church or you're a part of another church and you're visiting with us today. Maybe you're watching online and you are a part of another church or you're a part of some parachurch organization. An individual Christian can lose their song. A ministry can lose its song. And we've all been to churches who have lost the song. They've lost their joy. We want to talk about that today how to guard protect our song i got to tell you guys i want you to get this in your head your joy as a christian is of utmost value because what you say and what you sing and the way you live your life will not have the impact that god wants it to have if you are not a person of joy great joy So last week, we were looking at the Israelites, the children of Israel, who were known for their joy. They were known for their dancing. They were known for their music. They were known for their singing. They were known for their extravagant celebration. God had been very, very good to them. Listen carefully to what I'm about to say. God had been very, very good to them, and the reason they were uh, full of so much joy and so much celebration and the reason they were known for their dancing and their singing and their music is because they were aware they remembered the goodness of the Lord in their life and it is when we remember the goodness of the Lord in our lives that our joy is at its highest level and so they were filled with thanksgiving see when you become unthankful you lose your joy. When you cease to appreciate the goodness of God in your life, you lose your joy. Can I just challenge you today to think about the goodness of the Lord in your life? You remember what we said last week? God had been so good to the Israelites, he had given them a law. You know, it started in Exodus. Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He gave them the law. And then he gave them a land, the land of Canaan, the land of milk and honey, grapes and pomegranates and corn and wine. He had given them a law. He had given them a land. And then he gave them himself. He gave them a Lord. And we know from last week that they defiled the land he gave them. They denied the Lord and they Uh, defied his law they just would not submit to him they began to stray away they began to go after other gods 
They began to look to other religious systems. And so they began to move away from God. The Bible calls that backsliding. Pastor Farrell didn't call it backsliding. The Bible calls it backsliding. As a result, listen carefully, as a result of their lack of thanksgiving, as a result of their lack of appreciation for the goodness of God in their life, the Babylonians came in. You know, when we think about disobeying God or going our own way, a lot of people teach that you better not do that, God will punish you if you get away from him. You know what? It really isn't about him punishing you when you get away from him. Here's what happens. When you are near to him, you are under his umbrella. You're under his umbrella of blessing. You're under his umbrella of wisdom. You're under his umbrella of provision. You're under his umbrella of protection. But when you are distracted by the world system, when you are distracted by, the own, by your own lustful flesh, when you are distracted by the destroyer of our soul, the one who uh, lurks around seeking whom he may devour, when you are uh, distracted by Satan himself and you begin to stray away from God, it isn't that God punishes you, it is that now you are out from under his blessing. You are out from under his protection. You're out from under his provision. And so it's important for us to know today that what happened to the Israelites is that they began to turn their back on God. And when they turned their back on God, the scripture says, listen, they were vulnerable. You are vulnerable when you are straying away from God. You become vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. You become vulnerable to deception. You become vulnerable to looking at things and not being able to, to discern, is that God or is that the enemy? Because the Bible tells us that the Lord uh, is, is light and, and the Lord uh, uh, is, is the shepherd of the sheep. But the Bible also tells us that Satan comes to us as an angel of light. He comes to us as a little lamb, but he's really a wolf in sheep's clothing. Here's what I'm preaching. When you get away from God, you can't discern. When you get away from God, you're fooled. You're easily tricked. You're easily deceived. And that's what happened to the children of Israel. And because they lacked appreciation, because they lacked thanksgiving, the Bible says that Babylonians came. The enemy came because they lacked the covering of God. Because they lacked the protection of God, they were vulnerable to the enemy. Are y'all with me out there today? And they came in and took the children of Israel captive and brought them out of the land of blessing, out of the land of Canaan, out of the land of, uh, of, of uh, abundance, and brought them to the land of Babylon. They carried them away to a strange land, to a foreign land, where they were in bondage now. They had known freedom, but now they're in bondage. They had known liberty and blessing from God, but now they're in captivity of the enemy, and they have no song. Let's read together the scripture that um, we shared with you last week. Let's go through that one more time. Psalm 137, beginning with verse 1, and let's read down through verse 6. You have your Bibles with you, you can follow, or you can watch up on the screen. 
by the rivers of Babylon. This is the children of Israel talking. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we what? We wept. We wept. When we remembered Zion. Now Zion is a, a, another name for Jerusalem. Another name for the Holy Land. Another name for Israel. The land that God had given them. Verse 2 says, They hung their harps upon the limbs of the trees. They said, we don't need our musical instruments anymore. I know we're known for our music. I understand we're known for our singing. I understand we're known for our celebration. But we are no longer in the land of blessing. We are now in the desert place. And so we hang our musical instruments on the limbs of the trees because there is no use for them here. We cannot sing when we are in a strange land. So they hung their, will, hung their harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. For there those who carried us away captive, the Babylonians, ask of us a song. See, those Babylonians knew. They knew the children of Israel could sing. They knew they were incredible musicians. They knew that their celebration, they were known for it. Now, the Babylonians didn't want to hear the Israelite music uh, because of the content of the music, because the content was about Yahweh, Yahweh, we sung about today. They wanted to hear the music for entertainment value. So the Babylonians are saying, entertain us. We've heard about the way you guys sing, so they Ask of us a song. And those who plundered us requested mirth. And that word mirth means joy. They said, now look, we, we know you're not at home, and we know you're not in the land of promise, and we know you're out here in a strange and foreign land, but we want you to fake it. We want you to act joyful. We want you to sing and be joyful the way you are in Jerusalem. They said, sing us one of the songs of Jerusalem. Sing us one of the songs of Zion. Look at verse 4. How shall we sing, they said. How shall we sing the whose song? The Lord's song. How shall, hey, ladies and gentlemen, when we're in here singing, we're singing the Lord's song. A lot of you may be new to church, new to uh, this whole Bible, Jesus, God, church thing you don't know what's going on maybe you're trying to figure it all out and today we started singing about Yahweh and you thought who is Yahweh understand that Yahweh is an Old Testament name for God the highest name for God it's still the same God there are many many names for God one God many names as a matter of fact one of the best studies you can ever do is a study on the names of God and Yahweh is a Highest form of praise, highest form of reference to God. How shall we sing Yahweh's song in a foreign land? They said, we can't do it. And then they said, dear God, if we forget you, old Jerusalem, and what did I tell you, Jerusalem, last week? Jerusalem's a picture of God, a picture of holiness, a picture of salvation, a picture of freedom in the Lord, a picture of their joy. They said, if we forget you, really what they were saying right here was, if we forget you, O Lord, if we forget you, O Lord, let our right hand that you gifted with a skill that makes a living for me, let that hand forget its skill. 
let it forget its skill. Final verse, verse 5, verse 6. If I do not remember you, look at that word remember. If I do not remember you, now this is graphic language right here. I could dress it up a little bit, make everybody comfortable, but let me tell you what they're saying. They're saying, let my tongue grow to the roof of my mouth if I'm not going to use it to praise you. See, the the main reason God gives you communication skills, that you can use your communication skills for a lot of things, but the primary reason you were given a mouth, the primary reason you were given the ability to communicate, is so you would use it to praise the God who made you. And they say in this scripture right here, they say, God, if I'm not going to use my tongue to praise you, let it grow to, let it cling to the roof of my mouth if I'm not going to exalt Jerusalem above my chief joy. Now, we got other joys in our life. Our children bring us joy. Our family brings us joy. Holidays bring us joy. A lot of things bring us joy. Going to church brings us joy. But our chief joy, Our chief joy is God Almighty. Yahweh is our chief joy. And I'm here to preach to you today that if, excuse me, if your primary joy is not God, then you're going to be inconsistent in your walk with Him. You're going to be inconsistent in your joy level. You're going to be inconsistent in your ministry. So I ask you today, Is your chief joy Yahweh? Can I just ask you, is church just a part of your daily, I mean your weekly activities? You know, get up on on Monday and go to work and come home and it's all about work, it's all about family, it's all about being at home, it's all about whatever my hobby is, it's all about all that stuff. Oh, and then Sunday, well that's about God, Sunday. That's about God. Hey, Every day is about God. Every day of your life is about God. If your chief joy is not the Lord, you're going to struggle. You're going to flounder around. You're going to disappoint yourself. You're going to disappoint those around you. I'm calling on you this morning to evaluate yourself and ask this question, is my chief joy Lord God Almighty? That has to be the source of your joy. Let's do some evaluation today. I don't know how y'all like evaluation. Evaluation is painful sometimes, but boy, it sure does make us better, doesn't it? Now, Tuesday morning, the staff will gather in the new boardroom that you guys have provided for us upstairs, and we'll gather in there, and the first thing we'll do is have devotion and pray. And then we'll say, what do y'all think about this past weekend? And we start evaluating every little thing. Now, nobody's allowed to say anything about my sermon, but uh, we evaluate everything else. We evaluate how can we make the service better? How can we make the service more glorifying of God? How can we make the service when it's not about a person or about a group of people, or about a church, but it's always about God. We're always asking the question, was the video, was it good, or or was that a bad choice on the video? 
We talk about sound. We talk about everything. And we evaluate every service we have here in great detail. As a matter of fact, that probably takes up the biggest part of our staff meeting. Evaluation is good. So can we evaluate ourselves today? Can I ask you some questions? Are you thankful consistently for the goodness of God in your life? I'm calling on you this morning to remember the goodness of God in your life. I want you to think about your house you live in. I want you to think about what you drive. I want, to think you, I want you to think about the clothes on your back. I want you to think about the food you ate yesterday and the food you will eat today. You say, oh, I've been thinking about that. I want you to think, look at this. Look at this, what God's blessed us with. Are you consistently thankful for the goodness of God in your life. You say, Pastor, why do you ask that question? Because if we lose our thanksgiving, if we lose our appreciation, we will end up in bondage in the hands of the enemy. And I don't want you there. I've been there. Y'all look real holy, but you have too. You know, don't you? All you got to do is stop being thankful. All you got to do is become a problem counter instead of a blessing counter. That's worth amen right there. We'll act like I didn't say it yet. You'll turn into a problem counter instead of a blessing counter. Can I ask you something? Are you a problem counter or a blessing counter? You say, well, I'm not real sure. Let me tell you how you can tell. If all you do is talk about your problems, when you run into somebody in Walmart, they will turn around and go the other way. Because nobody wants to be around whiny people. You say, I'm going through some stuff. We're all going through some stuff. You say, I'm going through stuff worse than everybody else. You don't know what everybody else is going through. You don't know if you're going through worse stuff or not. Be a blessing counter. You say, well, is there ever a time I can talk about my need? Well, of course. You can go online and send in your prayer request, and all of a sudden we send that out, and, and a bunch of people are praying for you. You can bring your hurts up here this morning. We're going to pray for you. Listen, this building isn't a club for Christians. It's a hospital for broken people. We understand people are broken. We understand. But I'm going to tell you one of the ways to get out of your brokenness is begin to look around you and appreciate what God's blessed you with. And when you begin to be thankful and you begin to be filled with appreciation for what God's done for you, no matter how dark everything else is, I'm telling you, it'll begin the process of you climbing out of that dark place in your life. Are you taking the goodness of God for granted? Are you taking the provision of God for granted? Are you one of those people who sees the goodness of God and the generosity of God even when you're in trouble? Or are you one of those people who sees trouble and problems no matter how richly you're being blessed by God? These are good questions. Here's a good one. One old preacher said, are you humbly grateful or grumbly hateful? I want to be humbly grateful. I don't want to be grumbly hateful. Somebody uh, said recently to me, and they're not here yet. They might be here in second service, so I'm going to talk about them now. That's all right. They said, I just can't believe, you know, we, wanna, we want people to come over. We want to go over to people's house, and nobody ever comes over to our house, and we never get invited to anybody else's house. And while they were talking, 
I was thinking about because you're always so angry. You're always so bitter. You're always talking about how bad everything is and how bad the situation is. Can I preach like that here today? i got to tell you something, man. People don't want to be around folks like that. People don't want to be around. There's a way to express your pain. There's a way to express your hurting. But when you've let your bad times take over and you, see, and you live in America and you see nothing to be thankful for, shame on us. A thankful person has a joyful spirit. A thankful person has a song in their heart. A thankful person is a person who continues to trust and walk with God no matter what their circumstances. A thankful person is a person who's able to see the blessing of God and the hand of God in their life even when times are very dark. A thankful person always has a song of joy no matter what is happening around them. And the people said, amen, amen. Let's say something out, uh, together out loud. Dear Lord, help me to see your goodness, your blessing, your provision, your generosity in my life no matter what the circumstances around me. so important the world isn't listening so much to what we say they're they're looking at us to see how we react when everything's burning down around us they say oh these christians they talk a big talk but let's see what it's like when things go bad be ready for that i mean you know things will go bad eventually We've got to be ready for that and walk in Christ in those times as well. Now, in studying this psalm, we're looking at four basic things as we talk about how to guard your song. Last week, we looked at this one, the misery of a believer in bondage. The misery, this is what we talked about last week, the misery of a believer in bondage. And we see the misery in Psalm 137, verse 1, the first part of verse 1. That's what the A is there. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, yea, we... Well, because they're miserable. If you are a true Christian and you get away from God, there's going to be some misery. If you are a true follower of Jesus, if you have committed your life to Jesus Christ and you are serving Jesus Christ and you stray away from him and you get out from under that umbrella of protection, I'm telling you right now, there's going to be a misery in you. And you know what you ought to do with that misery? First thing you ought to do is thank God for it. The worst thing God could do is let you go on with the same joy you had when you were close to him. When you step out of bounds, he's just like a referee. He's going to blow the whistle on you. He's going to call you back in bounds. What is joy? Well, we found out joy wasn't laughter. We love to laugh around here, but you can use laughter to cover stuff up. Joy's not laughter. Joy's not necessarily happiness. Happiness comes from the word happens. Joy isn't based on what happens. Joy is the same no matter what happens, no matter the circumstances. Success doesn't bring joy. What this world calls success, it doesn't bring joy. We talked about that. So what is joy? Here's our definition of joy for this sermon. Joy is the ecstasy of the soul when a person has peace with God. It is the ecstasy of the soul that can only come from peace with God. 
That's why people do drugs. That's why people take alcohol. That's why people are so addicted. That's why people uh, uh, go after things of this world. And, and that's why when you turn your television on, you are just amazed at the perversion. You're amazed at what men and women and boys and girls will do because I'm going to tell you, they're looking for peace. They're looking for peace. And peace only comes through God. And the only way you can get to God, did I say the only way? Did I mean to say the only way? Yes, I did. The only way you can get to God and find that peace is through His Son, Jesus Christ. We're a Jesus church. We're a Jesus Christ church. You say, so you don't accept other religions? No, we accept them. We love them. But Jesus said, I am the only way. He didn't say, I am a way. He said, I'm the only way. I'm the only life. I'm the only truth. It's through Jesus. Where is that at in the Bible? Acts 4 and 12. There is no other name under heaven that a man can cry out to and find salvation except the name of Jesus Christ. Acts 4 and 12. So God had given them a law and a land and a Lord. He had given them prophets and they rejected it all. They rejected every bit of it. So now... Here they are, children of God, Israelites in bondage, and they are in misery, and they are weeping. What are we going to look at today very quickly? We're going to look at not only the misery of a believer in bondage, but let's look today at the memory. The memory of a believer in bondage. Psalm 137:1. by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. When we remembered Zion, they remembered Jerusalem. They remembered the Holy Land. They remembered the Holy Temple. And now they sit in a strange land with tears flowing down their face in total misery. And why are they miserable? Because they remember what it was like to be near to God. They remember what it was like to walk in intimacy with God. But they're not walking in intimacy with God now. And they remember how good it was. What did Jerusalem represent? It represented that place of closeness to God. It represented that place where they were cleansed with sin. But what did they have now? I mean, they're on the banks of the rivers of Babylon. So what do they have now? I'll tell you what they're left with. They're left with a stinging, burning memory. That's all they got. That's all they got. They're in a land of captivity, and all they have left is a memory. So we got to get back to our evaluation. we got to get back to our evaluation right here this morning. And we've got to ask ourselves the question, am I near to the heart of God or am I far from the heart of God? Where am I in my relationship with God? Am I in close fellowship with the Lord right now? Here's what a lot of Christians will do. They'll point back to another time and say, oh, let me tell you what God did five years ago. Let me tell you, what's God doing now in your life? Oh, it's okay to look back. Because when we look back and see those victories, it makes us know God can win the victory today. So there's nothing wrong with looking back. But I want to ask you something. What's God doing in your life right now? Where are you in your relationship with God right now this morning? You say, I didn't know we were going to get called on the carpet like this. That's the only kind of church I want to go to. I want to go to a church where I'm going to get called on the carpet every Sunday so I can maintain my spiritual health. Amen, amen. 
Y'all with me out there? Don't leave me up here by myself. You got to ask yourself, am I intimate with God or is, or is that only a faint memory in my life? If you're always talking about what God did and you're not talking about what God's doing, you got to ask yourself, where am I? Do you remember an earlier time when God was more real to you? Can I use an old church word here? Do you remember a time when you were more on fire for God than you are today? God's calling you back. When we were singing earlier, maybe you looked around. I did. I look around when we're worshiping, and I, you know, the way this thing's curved, I can watch you people now. I just turn and look, and there you are. And I saw rejoicing faces. I saw smiles. I saw tears. I saw hands up. I saw all that. I'm not saying you have to worship a certain way, but you know when a person's got the joy and when they don't. And maybe you looked around during worship today. You weren't really worshiping. You weren't really thinking about the songs. You were just kind of looking around. And maybe you saw people who were being touched, who were being blessed, who were being ministered to in the worship time. Maybe you did that and, and you thought, you know, I, I used to have that. I used to have it. Thank God for what you used to have. But do you have it today? I mean, are you left with a memory of a sweeter time? Are you left with a memory here today of a better time in your walk with God, a more intimate time in your walk with God? Now listen, I want to preach right here. Some people might say, well, you know, I come out to your church about every week, and, uh, you know, I don't really have a prayer life. I don't really read the Bible. I don't really, you know, I'm just not really all that into all that stuff. But when music and stuff's going on, I don't feel, I mean, I feel fine. Then I wonder if you know Christ. I wonder if you know Christ. And I'm not here to question your walk with God. But I am here to ask you to inventory yourself. My friend, listen to me. If you can be in an atmosphere like we are in here today, and you're good to go, and you, you don't sense anything, you're not, you're not feeling anything, you're not being drawn to God. Because i got to tell you something, man. God, since we've come in this new building, I know God met with us over there. i got to tell you something. He's meeting with us here too. I mean, the presence and the power of God is real in this place, in this building. And if you can come and sit in this and there's no sense of being drawn closer to God or no uh, pull toward God, then i got to tell you something. I'm, I'm not sure you know Him. I'm not sure you know Him. Look what the Bible says. The Bible talks about this. 1 John 2, 19. The Bible talks about a time when the... Um, when the prophets and the disciples, and well, not the prophets, but the disciples, the apostles were preaching about Jesus and the cross, and the Jews were leaving Judaism, they were leaving the Old Testament covenant, and they were saying, yes, Jesus was Messiah, he died on the cross for our sins, he rose from the dead, we believe in Jesus, he's our Savior. But they began to backslide from that and go back to Judaism. They begin to backslide from the cross and backslide from the resurrection, and they begin to stop believing that Jesus was really who he said he was, and they began to uh, say that maybe Jesus was just a prophet or a teacher. They went back to Judaism. And this is what John said about these people. He said, they went out from us. In other words, they were with us for a while, but then they left us. He said, they went out from us, but they were not for us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. Look at the next slide. 
but they went out that they might be revealed, that they might be made manifest that none of them were with us. You say, Pastor, are you talking about people who maybe used to come to our church and they've left our church? Nope. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people who, who come to church for social reasons. They come to church just to connect, just to hook up, and we're all about that. We want you to come. That's why we made the foyer. That's why we made the coffee shop. That's why we uh, provided all these comfortable sofas and stuff so you guys can actually go lay down and listen to me preach. I mean, we're there for you. But the church is a fellowship of believers. And when unbelievers walk in this building, we want them to feel loved. We want them to feel accepted. We want them to feel like this is where they belong. But we also want them to sense the power and conviction of Almighty God in this house. Because we don't want them just to come to church. We want them to be saved. We want them to come to Christ. Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled into believing that if you do religious things, that makes you a Christian. You say, we got that baptism thing coming up Wednesday night. I'll get in on that. I'll get baptized. Baptism won't save you. You say, well, take me down to the pond and I'll get saved at the pond. Maybe that's more like it's supposed to be. You can get baptized at the pond so many times the tadpoles know your social security number. I don't even know what that means. Anyway. Baptism doesn't save. Baptism tells everybody you got saved. You say, well, I'll volunteer. I'll volunteer. I'll be on the media team. Well, wonderful. We want you to volunteer. We'll work you like a rented mule, but that doesn't save you. Throughout my ministry, there have been people who have come into various churches I've pastored and and they've said, you know, we're in there, man, we're with you. And then they join the church, get baptized, and then after a while they're back out there. It amazes me, really. It really amazes me. And I'll tell you what it does. It tells me that I'm not a very good discerner. Because sometimes if I was to be asked by God himself, I'd go, man, they got it. But you know what? Only they and God knows if they got it. So they don't have any memory. The reason they don't have any memory is because they have nothing to remember. I think about David in Psalm 51 when he sinned with Bathsheba. Y'all remember that story? And and I'm not going to go through all of it, but all through Psalm 51, I'm going to challenge you to just read that on your own. He remembers God's unfailing love. He remembers God's compassion. I mean, he had just sinned, and Nathan comes in and goes, you the man, You, you the guy who messed up. And in Psalm 51, David is repenting. He he remembers things, God's unfailing love. He remembers his great compassion, his forgiveness of sin. See, David couldn't remember when he wouldn't come close to God, but when he came to God in prayer, he started remembering his rebellion. He said, I'm haunted by my memory in verse 3. In verse 12, he said, I've lost my joy. In verse 8, he said, I lost my joy when I was in sin. In verses 14 and 15, he said, I couldn't sing anymore. I couldn't sing when I sinned with Bathsheba and then I tried to cover up my sin. He said, I couldn't teach, I couldn't preach, I couldn't sing anymore. He says, I tried to fake it, but I couldn't fake it. 
Are you faking it this morning? Are you faking it? Or are you walking with God? Say, man, pastor, that's hardcore. Good, it needs to be hardcore. Jesus is coming. We need to be ready. The prodigal son. What a story. Man, you could preach a series of sermons on that over and over and over again on that prodigal son. What a great, great message that is. But you know what brought the prodigal son back? He remembered. He remembered. I mean, you know, there's nothing like feeding a bunch of pigs that'll get your attention. Especially when the owner of the pigs loves the pigs more than he loves you. Because he says, I wish I could have eaten the cobs. When you really study that passage in depth, what he was hoping was that he could eat the cobs, the corn cobs, out of the slops. He said, I don't care if the pigs eat the corn. If I could just eat the corn cob. You know what the owner said to the prodigal son? No. I love the pigs more than I love you. I care about the pigs more than I care about you. So there he is, away from the Father. He's lost everything. And then he remembers how good he had it. Y'all know Joan Baez? Who's ever heard of Joan Baez? You got some old people in the house? Big Yellow Taxi. Y'all remember that song? Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you got? Till it's gone. Bop, bop, bop. I fear for America. I fear for America today. You don't know what you got. Till it's gone. I fear for you. I fear and have concern for this church that we are going to forget on a daily basis, the goodness of God in our lives. Don't forget. Don't forget His goodness. Don't forget His blessing. Because if you do, you're going to find yourself in a strange land with no song. Let's stand together. Would you just walk up here to the altar, all of you who will, just walk right up here to the altar this morning. Let's, make, let's, be, real, let's be real casual about that, coming to the altar. I don't want that to be some big effort we have to put in. Let's use this altar, guys. I believe the altar is the most important place in the church. Come on up, everybody who will, and nobody's going to lay hands on you, slap you around, nothing's going to happen like that. Nobody's going to get in your face and scream. Just come on up. Let's just pray in the altar. Let God see you come up here. Let God see you just walk up here. Father, Father, if there's somebody here today who's gotten away from you, let them come to Yahweh. Come back to Yahweh. Come back to the Father. Come back to God today. You might say, well, Pastor, I don't think I've strayed away far, but i got to tell you, I know I'm going in the wrong direction. Well, turn around. Turn around this morning. And those of you who have strayed way out there and you've lost your song, come on back home. Come on back home this morning. Why don't you decide right now, I'm I'm not going any further away from God.
I've lost my peace. I've lost my song. I've got misery in my life. And, and I, I've even blamed God for it. But I know it's not God. I come back. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I'm coming home. I'm coming home today.